Nigel is one of the leaders here, and he's going to be taking us through our, the second of our series of the Beatitudes. Nigel, over to you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Nigel. And if you do, I'm Nigel. Um, I'm just going to take a moment before I jump into the preaching. Just so there's just a really sweet moment there in worship. And if you're with us online, then sorry that you maybe weren't able to kind of get that. But I, I feel there's something that God is just wanting to draw the church back to himself. And I was teary as I was worshipping and I'm getting emotional. But it's a sign of the spirit of God just resting on me. That's one of the ways that I experience God just speaking to me, and it tells me that, oh, God, you're here. And I don't know if you experienced that, but I just want to kind of hold that moment. Say, God, would you, would you draw your church back to yourself? God really isn't bothered about our programs and our big lights and our fancy things and how big we are or who turned up or how much stuff's happening or not. That's just irrelevant to God. Because he wants our hearts. He wants the church. He wants us to be vibrant and passionate to love him at all costs. And all that other stuff is irrelevant that we get so caught up on. And I believe as we're looking at the words of Jesus this month, that's part of what the church is needing to hear. We need to hear again the words of Jesus lovingly calling us back to himself. And we just want to you know, that, that, it's not something that's forced on us. That's something that we respond to in our hearts, in our spirits, with our lives. Say, yes, Jesus, we want to love you more. We want to know you more. We want to draw close to you again, Lord, where we've been indifferent, where we've been distracted, where we've been apathetic to the things of the world. God, draw us to yourself again. And I believe that's what the Spirit of God is doing in his graciousness to us. God loves his church. He loves us here at Woody's. He loves all the church. But he's drawing us. And do you hear that? Do you sense that? It's, we're not just sort of singing songs to get emotional. We're doing that as part of our offering of ourselves to God, our worship of him. So I just wanted to kind of hold that moment just to acknowledge that. And actually maybe this month as we're listening to Jesus, calling out what it means to follow him to understand the kingdom, the ways that God works. Again, we want to say, God, our hearts just want to be open to you. We want to say yes to your spirit. And we want to just, yeah, bless what you're doing in our midst. Soften our hearts, God, to you today. That's my prayer. Soften our hearts. That we can just be drawn back to you again and, and love you. Not with a kind of going through the motions. You know what I mean? But the, the deep love of being loved by God and, and responding to that. That's not my preach, but it should have been, to be honest, because it's downhill from there. <laughs> that was a freebie. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you, God, that you love your church, that you love us. Thank you. As, as I speak now, would we hear your voice, the voice of your spirit to us? Give us faith to respond to what you're doing and what you're saying in our midst. For your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, before I officially start, I'm going to do a couple of shout-outs to all our online crew. There's lots of people that watch online and are part of the kind of wider Woody's family, our podrishners. 
Um, want to shout out the Owens, uh, who couldn't make it into church this morning, but we know you're there. Shout out to you. Also, the Harboard crew, Pete, praying for you, love you. It's been a big week for you, and yeah, we're, we're really thinking of you and praying for you. Maybe all our global, any global partners who've tuned in, again, thank you for serving God so faithfully and passionately and being part of our church community. We miss you, but we love you, and thank you for being part of it. Also, Emily in Leicester. Never met you, Emily, but I know you tune in every week, so thank you so much for being with us. Hope you're going to enjoy this message. Yeah, you're surprised about that, aren't you? Yeah, well, there you go. God works in mysterious ways. Right, there you go. That's my shout-outs. I'm preaching. Are you ready? Here we go. Oh, I've got to get it together. I've been a bit destroyed in that worship. Right. Crikey, we are talking about blessing and in a series uh, called Blessed, looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We've got a slide here. This is a photo taken when Jesus was preaching. Cameras weren't that good back then. (laughs) Brave, I know, brave. Um, So there we go, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was on a mountainside and he preached. We read about this in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 to 7. It's an incredible sermon that Jesus preaches. And we're actually looking at the very beginning, the very start. It's the opener. It's the way to grab the audience's attention. And he talks about being blessed. And there's eight blessings that he says that everyone can know in in loving God and following God. And they're called the Beatitudes, which is from the, the Latin blessed are. That's how it's translated to blessing. So we're going to be looking at that this month, and we've already looked at a few last week. Um, What does it mean to be blessed? Uh, What does it mean for you to be blessed? I don't know how you think about being blessed. Oh man, I'm so blessed. Hashtag blessed. There's a little slide coming up of some ideas of what it means to be blessed. Uh, We see that a lot. Lots of, oh yeah, I'm really blessed, man. Is it because it's going well for you? Uh, The job promotion, had an amazing breakfast, I'm blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Too blessed to be stressed. That's my favorite one. I haven't got there yet. Um, Yeah, family, good things. What what does it mean for you to be blessed? How do you understand it? Um, Like One of the things, we're here this morning meeting in a church and we have the freedom to worship, the freedom that's been won for us that we remember today as as a country. We have a freedom to worship together here, to worship God. We recognize that at the same time in the world, there are many countries where it is illegal to be a Christian. In fact, you would not just be illegal, but you'd be arrested, put in prison, beaten, experience hardship. You'd be persecuted for being a Christian, literally doing what we're doing right now in another country. The persecuted church is real. There are many countries where the deep costs to following Jesus costs right now in people's lives. We're in touch with different pastors and people all over the world where that is their situation, meeting secretly. When they sing worship songs, they sing silently just so they're not heard in case they get reported. And Jesus says they're blessed. The persecuted are blessed. Wait a minute, that doesn't sound too good. Being blessed for being persecuted. I don't know what kind of blessing idea you have, but maybe Jesus has quite a different view on what it means to be blessed. And so that's what we're doing, spending some time looking at these Beatitudes, what it means to be blessed. So a couple of things, we're going to jump into, if you want to look, if you have a Bible, Matthew 5, right at the beginning, he talks about being blessed. 
Um, there's a list of eight of them. And one of the things is you can't choose which one is yours. You can't be like, oh, blessed are those who mourn. I, I'll do the mourning. I'm the mourner kind of person. These, these are universal for all of us. As those of us following Jesus, we'd be saying, actually, Jesus is saying, this is universal for all of you to experience all of these things. And the blessings are spiritual realities. Okay, they're, they're understanding a spiritual state that we exist in and how God is calling that out of us. It's, it's a thing we can experience now, but also something that we can experience in the future. Some of it is forward, future-looking, as well as now experiencing. And the first four of them, we're going to look at number three and four. They're, they're really focusing on our relationship between us and God. And then the following four look really around our relationship and how we relate our conduct to others. But it's very upside down. Jesus is reframing what it means to know God and to follow God and how we understand God works in our lives. So last week, we looked at the first two. We did poor in spirit. That means actually when I have nothing, actually you are blessed when you are poor in spirit. Why? Because it means you need God. You know you need God. And that brings you to God with an emptiness and an open-handedness that is genuine and real. Not a fake pretend religiousness, but a deep spiritual need that means when you come to God, you come to God with hunger and humility and understanding, God, I really need you. And the second one was mourning, linked to the first one, this idea of being grieved, maybe over your own spiritual state, where I'm not seeing the things that I want to see in my life, where I'm aware of my need and my sin. I come to God grieving. Or maybe you carry that in the, the things of the world, the griefs that we carry, that we see and experience, that this place of mourning, this position of mourning, Jesus is saying you are blessed when you mourn and he expects all his followers to mourn. Jesus himself was asked, why don't your disciples fast? Because we're all, the religious practice at the time of not to eat food. Um, they, Jesus was like, well, I'm here and we're partying, but when I'm gone, there will be a time when... My followers will fast, they will mourn, they, they will be aware of what the absence, and that is the appropriate place to grieve, to mourn. So what are we looking at this week? We're going to have a slide, we'll start at the top of Matthew 5, and we're actually going to look at the following two. But let's read this together. So this is at the start of Matthew 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach. He said, blessed the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So we're going to look at the first one. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now that doesn't make sense straight away. It's got something wrong there. The meek inheriting the earth. It doesn't work like that. In fact, the whole of the Sermon on the Mount is constantly comparing to this is what the world does, this is what you do. This is what the law says, but this is what I say. This is what the religious people do, but this is what I say. And so he's referencing that. He's saying, look at the meek. The world, as we know, doesn't favor the meek or the weak. In fact, it's the opposite. The people in power who we're so aware of building empires for themselves those in political places seeking to grab more power, more influence. It seems the strong survive and get it, whereas the weak are brushed aside. We see the injustice of that, the poverty of that in our world, that it is clearly the world seems to work on that principle. 
Weak people win nothing. This idea of weak, meek, the word used, also means kind of gentle and humble. But being meek is not being weak. There we go. Powerful point there. That's why I did the dramatic pause. Weak, meek, not weak. Meekness isn't weakness, it's a strength. Gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the very quality of God. If you're describing God to someone, would gentleness be the number one way you'd describe God? Do you experience God as gentle? Is he all-powerful and all-wonderful and all-incredible and all-guns-blazing? But have you experienced the gentleness of God? Jesus himself said, I am gentle and humble in heart. That's how he identified himself. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He, he went to the cross meekly. Gently. What does gentleness, where does that get you in the world? To be gentle in spirit means to be a humble and gentle, to have a humble and gentle attitude to others, which is determined by a true estimate of ourselves. It's this understanding of gentleness is actually a great strength. I would love to be far more gentle with my lively boys than I often am. I run out of gentleness quite quickly, moving into the annoyance phase and then frustration and then pure anger. I would like to be gentler, but I lack that strength of character. To be gentle is actually Christ-like, as Christ is gentle. And Jesus is calling us to that, to say, be gentle. But why? How does that get you forward in life? Well... Partly it's the spirit of Christ that we live out. Blessed are those who are gentle. Do you think that's a spiritual, powerful force to be gentle? I mean, do you need people to be gentle with you? I mean, do we see enough gentleness in the world? Sorely lacking. Actually, we are all fragile souls. Whoever we are, even the most powerful. Often the most powerful. Whereas weakness is a true strength. And gentleness is living out of that in a gentle spirit. But what do you get? It says you inherit the earth. How's that going to happen? How are weak, meek people, gentle people going to inherit the earth? You would think that meek people wouldn't inherit anything. But here Jesus is quoting a psalm. Psalms we read in the middle of the Bible, a collection of songs and poems, and this is a direct quote from Psalm 37, written by King David. He says, uh, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Don't fret, it leads only to evil, but for those who are evil, evil will be destroyed, but for those who hope in the Lord, they'll inherit the land. We'll have the next slide. It says this in verse 10, a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The whole psalm is a reflection on the wicked who seem to be getting away with it. The wicked who seem to get all the good stuff. What's the point of that? What's the point of being righteous and pursuing God if it doesn't seem to work? And yet it's saying actually for the wicked they'll be cut off. There'll be no more to them. And yet the righteous, those who pursue God will inherit the earth, will inherit all that God has for them. It's a promise that what we see now isn't the final answer. 
Ultimately, those with Jesus will inherit the earth. It belongs to God and one day will be renewed. Now, the best example I could think of this, limited though it is, is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Now, this is the Roald Dahl story. There's a number of different interpretations of endings depending on the books or the films, but it goes around the big, amazing Chocolate Factory and one of them is going to win it. But all the other ones are outrageous and trying to get it and in the end are done away with until Charlie at the end gives back a gobstopper to Willy Wonka. And at that point, he inherits the whole thing. What is that? That See, that was the test that he did where all the others who were trying to get it and grabbing it and going after it failed the test. And yet Charlie, actually he won it. He was given it. All right, it breaks down a bit, but that's the nearest I could get to it, okay? The meek, the gentle will inherit the earth. The next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. We already mentioned it about this idea of fasting and seeking God where there's an absence. I don't know last time you were hungry or thirsty, but it's an uncomfortable experience. It's not an enjoyable one. It, it, it catches your attention that you want to eat something or drink something and you want it now. Hunger is healthy. Hunger is a healthy spiritual place to be. Again, this is a spiritual insight that Jesus is saying. For those who are spiritually hungry and thirsty, you'll be filled. Actually, it's not good if a child that you know goes off their food. It can often be a sign that they're not well. A loss of appetite. But for many of us spiritually, we've lost an appetite. Or, even worse, we don't have an appetite because we've filled it with other things, not of God. We've eaten junk food. As God is saying, one of the conditions of spiritual vibrancy is that you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Easier said than done. Well, Jesus himself, John 7, said, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I'll give you a drink. A recognition that Jesus is calling people to himself to find their thirst being met in him. And hungry as well. I mean, even the very act of the Lord's Supper, taking the bread and wine, is a, an enacting of a hungering and thirsting for righteousness found in Jesus. We hunger and thirst for the things that we long for, the things that we don't have yet. And so Jesus is saying this spiritual state of hungering and thirsting for righteousness is key for those who are following Jesus. It's uncomfortable, but it's important. Righteousness, this idea of being not just right with God in right standing, but also in seeing uh, rightly with others in right relationship expressed. Another way of that word righteousness is often talked about justice. They're very kind of linked. This idea, where is there justice? There are hunger and thirst for justice. Costi shared with us around the plight of orphans in Romania, but further afield, Ukraine. There's a hungering and thirsting to care for those who've been overlooked those who have been disadvantaged. There's something of a justice in the world where we cry out, God, where is the justice? We hunger and thirst for that because we don't yet see it. Whether that's caring for creation itself or in the many different unjust powers and ways things are set up, there's a cry for justice on the earth. 
And we're to be caught up in that. We're in order to, we're not to be immune from it. But our hungering and thirsting should be leading us there. Yeah, it's not just for us, my own personal fulfillment, but on the behalf of others. Isaiah, the great prophet in the Old Testament, talks about this in just the beautiful words of Isaiah 58, what true fasting is, to loose the cords of oppression, to clothe those who are naked, to feed the hungry, to see the unjust systems broken. God, why is it like this in the world? Why have you allowed this stuff to happen? We don't know, but we are, as God's people, to call out, to cry out for justice, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I'm going to invite my friend Danny up. Danny's going to come and just share with us a little story, a bit of his journey around righteousness, but also kind of centred in the workplace. So let's hear it for Danny. Danny, come on up. Great to have you with us, Danny. And um, yeah, would you just share with us a little bit of yeah, your story this summer and what's gone on for you? Yeah, hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Uh, and yeah, I mean, a lot's happened this summer. I started early summer working in finance uh, in Bristol, and then I left that job uh, to go to Australia for a bit to then start a job as an investment broker in Canary Wharf, London. Uh, but God had a, a different plan for me. Okay, so you've landed this, by the sounds of it, quite a good job in the city, like the old big bucks. Um, how did that go, Danny? How, tell us about that. Yeah, so, um, well, I, I came back from Australia. I was you know, very excited. I was telling all my friends, oh, I've got this job. It's, you know, there's a lot of money I'm gonna, to be made. And uh, three days in, I was saying, oh, I'm going to look into get a car. Or, and, all, and, and, all, and there was a huge amount of excitement. And then uh, one night, uh, after the third day of working there, uh, I had a dream, and when I woke up, I had this overwhelming sense uh, that that if I stayed any longer at this firm, that something terribly wrong would go would, would happen, and I would get in serious trouble. Uh, so I, I, I thought to myself, and I thought, I thought, I asked Lord, why couldn't you have told me this before I started the job? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but um, but I chose to ignore it. And I thought, you know what, I'll give it a few months and I'll see how it goes. And so I, uh, I went into work that day and a few hours in, uh, I overheard this conversation and it confirmed what the dream said, where essentially they were selling these investment products and uh, mis at least misleading the investors, where it was actually far riskier than, it, than they were making out to be. And I felt a huge sense, it didn't even feel like a choice, where I had to leave this, uh, uh, th this place, so I... I spoke to the boss and I, and I said, can I have a word with you? And it, I didn't think he was uh, expecting me to leave after three days. Um, but I, um, I said to him, I, I don't feel comfortable with X, Y, and Z, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave. And he, uh, he was quite angry and said, well, you did, how would you even know? You've only been here for three days. <laughs> um, I didn't tell him about the dream, um, but, <laughs> uh, but I left. And I walked out of the building, and I remember feeling a huge amount of peace, but a huge amount of fear as well. And I felt two things. I felt one, uh, this verse goes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And I felt a bit more, uh, less fearful from that. But, and I also, this, this, this other song that we used to sing in primary school uh, came to mind as well. And I'm not going to try and sing it for you, but it goes, um, 
I'll be still in the presence of the Lord. And I, <laughs> and I felt that I should be still. And so, so a week goes by, and I'm taken to my sister to uh, Romania for a powerlifting competition. And I'm on the plane, and I feel the Lord just telling me to just be still. Don't go on your phone. Don't listen to music. Just be still. So I put my phone away, and I'm just being still, and I'm praying. And, and then at the end of the flight, I heard an audible voice, uh, and it said, Daniel, you're called into ministry. And my honest initial reaction was I wanted to make some money. <laughs> so, <laughs> Actually, that's a very good point. You're right there. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and I went seriously. <laughs> and I heard it again, Daniel, you're called into ministry. And since then, I'm extremely excited. I spoke to a few people at Woodlands, and they've taken me in, and I'm doing the ministry apprenticeship. And uh, I'm just looking forward to what God has in store for me. Danny, we'd love to pray for you and, and bless you. Thank you for sharing that, where, in a way, a, a real sense of righteousness. Actually, I need to do what's right before God, to be obedient to him. But also righteousness in business and how that works. Actually, God, I can't, yeah, I can't be part of that and even calling that what it is. To great courage to do that and also cost to you. But also God's hand on your life and we just want to bless that. So, Lord, we thank you for Danny. Thank you for someone who has heard your voice speaking to him and has acted on that. Thank you for his courage, but also his obedience to you. And we pray you bless him now in this season of life, exploring what that calling to ministry would look like. We ask for great favor on him, and we pray that as he's with us here, there would be great fruitfulness on his ministry. But yeah, we thank you for his heart and his love for you. Would you bless him now, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Danny. Thank you so much. Round of applause for Danny. That's a great story, isn't it? I wish I had stories like that. My life's so boring. But other people have exciting lives. But no, amazing to see that um, yeah, righteousness in the workplace is a thing that God cares about, is important. So I'm going to land it here. We've looked at two things. What does it mean to be meek, to be gentle? Do you think of yourself as a gentle person? Do you see that spiritually as a powerful thing? But also, how are you with the old hungering and thirsting for righteousness? You're really aware of that. You feel really stirred for those things. Or maybe you might say, I, I feel a lack of appetite. Don't feel hungry or thirstery at all. That's, I, I don't, to be honest. I feel a bit switched off. So I'd love to just pray. I'm going to do a couple of things. I want to pray for the gentle people. Or maybe you felt often overlooked or pushed back from being gentle. God is saying to you, no, gentleness, you'll be blessed because it's a real strength, because it's walking in the spirit of Jesus in this world. And God is looking for more people to walk in gentleness and humbleness before him and others. So I want to pray for you if that's you this morning. Don't despise that or diminish it. I also want to pray for you for those hungry and thirsty. Maybe saying, God, give me an appetite again for those things. I've lost, I've lost my appetite. But by your spirit, would you work that in me? So I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to get anyone to stand or things. But as I pray, if that's helpful for you, then as I pray those words, then maybe say, yeah, God, help me, minister to me here. 
And I will ask that the Spirit of God will just rest on you and be at work on you, blessing you, affirming you, stirring the things of God in your life. So Jesus, we hear your words to your church. Blessed are those who are meek, who are gentle. I pray today for my brothers and sisters here and those with us online, for those who are gentle. Don't think that you've been overlooked or don't have what you need in this world, but would you walk in the spirit of Jesus? May your gentleness be evident to all. And may you know the empowering of God's spirit on your life to be gentle, to walk in that, knowing that you will inherit the earth. And so I bless gentleness. Your gentleness is a great gift and a great sign of God. May you live in the goodness of that and the blessing of that. And I pray for those of us around being hungry and thirsty. God, I pray that you would stir in us for those of us where you're not feeling hungry or thirsty right now then I want to ask permission. God, would you make me hungry again? Would you make me thirsty again? Would you stir that in me again? And for those who are really feeling that, God, I'm so broken over the injustice of the world. God, would you fill them with your spirit again? Would you renew in them a hope to carry on pursuing you and being filled with you? And so I pray this blessing now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.